Hi everyone, today we're going to be doing an introductory episode on instincts. We're planning on doing a more in-depth episode on each instinct later on, but today we're going to be just talking about what the instincts are and the different models for thinking about them. have three instincts um, self-preservation social and sexual and these instincts are essentially as humans our three primal drives our three survival strategies that we've evolved to use and so self-preservation is essentially it's a focus on the maintenance and conservation of your body's energy levels so it's it's more of a focus on physical security the social instinct um, is a focus on cultivating and maintaining social connection and relationships. And the sexual instinct is essentially a focus on what turns you on energetically and a movement towards that. So SP, which is self-preservation, is more easily defined than the other two. Yeah, yeah. there's pretty much agreement within everyone about what it is, I'd say. Whereas um, SO and SX definitely have a lot more debate. Yeah. And I'd say that's because self-pres from the other two, it's the most like internally focused, whereas SO and SX, there, there's an element of like external focus. Yeah. Like, as in, well, like, that's probably not the right phrasing because SP, obviously, it's in tune with the, the outside environment and perceiving threats from the outside environment. The SP response is more of an internal thing, if that makes sense. And I suppose both SO and SX can be like activated in relation to people. So it's kind of hard to separate out what's what, I think. One way I've seen it described is that SX is a focus on one-to-one relationships and connection, whereas social is a focus on group connection slash relationships. And that's, I think, yeah. Beatrice Chestnut, for example, talks about that. Um, and yeah. some people even, instead of using the term sexual, they, they use the term one-to-one. But I feel like that's quite misleading. I don't know. Yeah, I think um, Riso and Hudson don't follow that school of thought and um, that they don't think it's due with um, one-to-one relations because they say that um, everyone prefers, I mean, yeah. I don't know if everybody, but like most people prefer one-to-one relations and that doesn't mean, that doesn't necessarily make you sexual. Yeah, yeah, I feel like sexual is the one that I feel like most people would, like, if you're, if we're going by the, the one-to-one definition, um, it's the yeah. one that most people would think that they are, and I see a lot of people on Enneagram, subreddit and stuff, identify sexual for that reason, but yeah, like you said, that's probably wrong, because that's probably what the majority of people like, or like, prefer. Yeah, yeah. And, like, if you think about it in terms of connection, like, I don't know, I feel like, generally speaking, one-to-one bonds are probably the most meaningful connections anyway. So exactly. considering social as the one that is about connections, it, it kind of makes sense that if you are seeking one-to-one relationships, that could definitely be from a social place. So how does sexual actually work then? Um, well, as um, Ria said, it's basically, Hudson describes it as what sort of turns you on energetically and um, movement towards that. So just, I think, um, well, I mean, it's called the sexual instinct. And so it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be constrained um, just towards sex, but it's like attraction can be towards people or it can be towards um, activities or it can be towards um, 
um, even if it's not romantically towards people, I think platonically towards people, like sensing your chemistry is also sort of um, a, a sexual instinct thing. So I think people who are more focused on, like more instinctively in tune with whether they are um, clicking or in um, have chemistry with somebody rather than like trying to bond over shared interests is more of a sexual way of interacting with people. And then also just wanting to, yeah, go towards what sort of ignites your interest, I think is more of how sexual works. And that can be either towards people or activities, if that makes sense. That does make sense. It's more, it's more like finding like a bond, you know? Yeah, I actually think the bond terminology is, is possibly not the best term to use for sexual, because like just because you're attracted in one direction doesn't mean that a bond will be formed. Yeah, that's like, true. It's not really connection, it's more... It's more like the initial pull towards as opposed to the the proper connection, I think. Yeah. And I so I think the term bond is probably more appropriate um, when we're talking about social because that's that's a that's a more active kind of focus on on forming and sustaining a bond or a sexual it it's sometimes described as like hot and cold. Like you don't mm. there's less there's less of a what's the word? It's less like trying to consciously create something more it's just like there or not and there's more yeah. of a filtering thing so yeah, I, I suppose so. by that I just mean if, if you're more, more focused on the social instinct you're probably going to be more likely to um be equally not equally but more more open to connections with most people that you encounter whereas with SX I think you're probably more likely to be very instinctively like oh, I like this person, oh, I'm not that into this person. And that's going to probably be what drives your, what you pursue, I suppose, in terms of relationships and that sort of thing. And one thing I found interesting is that, like, sometimes SX is described as, like, being more warm, which I probably think that's probably the opposite. Like, mm. because, like I said, it's it's less, there's, if, when we're comparing SX and SO, SX is just less open to, to all. About the social instinct it was originally like a primal thing about needing to be like safety in numbers and like have a sense of belonging in a community and stuff like that and yeah. that's where that kind of comes from so I can see what you mean by they're more the warm type yeah that yeah. I think they're more likely to just be friends with everyone you yeah know? because social people they they need they need people to be around them to survive really mm. i think something i found interesting um is that sometimes it's also described as like people who are esodons are more aware of like like status and hierarchy and kind of the the setup of a group or society mm, and yeah. i think that that might be true but it's often used to as people often say that because of this they move towards like whoever's the most important in the group or whatever for example there's like the party analogy um the party analogy is where uh, the three instincts kind of are people and they walk into a party and the SP person would uh, immediately scope out where the food is um, and maybe even where the exit is or just where the resources are, you know, in the party. Yeah, I, yeah I've seen it described as like the SP dom fo- dom's focus in, the, like, in a party situation is just on maintaining their comfort and yeah. The SO Dom person would um, immediately like 
see the groups and just like maybe the social hierarchy which is kind of what Rhea was talking about before um and see where they could maybe fit in in the party or it's like I think the way I originally saw it described was that the Esso person would try and suss out who's the most like important person in the room yeah just move towards them and Mm. try to make a connection with them the Essex Don person would uh try and find out where uh, they would be able to make one-to-one connections. Is that yeah. right? Or like they'd, yeah. they'd kind of find out the person who they think is the most interesting and go towards them. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys think about this analogy? Um, I mean, personally, I don't think it's that great because I just can't imagine anyone... I feel like most people, when they go to the party, would just go to the most interesting person. Exactly. Yeah, like I, yeah. I think that's probably the most natural thing. And also with SP, I feel like... If you're at a party, you're not, like you're there. You're not there to eat the food. Like you, you could just do that at home. Like yeah. if you were, if you were like you, deciding to go to the party was was the thing that probably is causing the discomfort. But once you're there, you're not going to be like, okay, where can I sit? <laughs> like, why are you there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like the way it's described, like if it is comfort that the SP person is looking for, like. Like, for all of them, it's essentially comfort. Like, whatever your instinct is, is the most comfortable for you because it's the most natural. Anyway, so I think that's probably not a very good descriptor. Um, Yeah. And I guess going back back to, like, social and, like, the hierarchy thing, and I think similarly to sexual, like, I think perhaps originally, because their instincts and because, you know, they're, they're something we've evolved with, maybe it's correct to say that in the past... Like, the social instinct was all about moving towards the most important person or, like, the person yeah. with the hi- most status, the, the one at the top of the hierarchy to, in order to feel safe or whatever, protected. Um, yeah. And perhaps sexual, most interesting, because if we're thinking about it at a very basic level, perhaps it was originally to do... It, well, it, not perhaps, it, it was originally to do, with, you know, mating and that kind of thing. Yeah. But obviously, as we've evolved as humans and if we're applying it to modern modern society and how the instincts now are, I yeah. think that's probably too basic of a view, I think. Yeah. And I think in general, like, I think probably for most people, social is more to do with just wanting to have connections rather than wanting to social climb. I feel like that's probably more of a... Whether you do that is probably going to be more related to type. I used to think that I would... I didn't have... Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about stacking later but I used to think that I didn't have much social instinct because um, I wasn't that into hierarchy but I don't think that really rules it out at all really yeah. Um, yeah so that makes sense because I'm a social dom and I I feel like I am always aware of the hierarchy in a group but I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily drawn to speaking to the person at the top or, you know, being cold towards everyone else and ignoring them. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah, I think sometimes social is wrongly described as being the most socially judgmental. I think it's probably more accurate to say that it's the most, perhaps the most socially perceptive, but that doesn't mean that from that, from their perceptions, they're going to form a, a judgment. They're just more in tune yeah. of what the, the group energy is. Yeah, I think, social social doms are sometimes described as being easily able to yeah being really perceptive and easily able to read um situations yeah 
Yeah, like reading people is one of the, the zones. We'll, we'll talk about that later in our, in our specific social um, episode, but yeah. And I guess another um, kind of kind of misconception is that um, people say that Essex is about intensity. And it's not that it's not about intensity, but I think the word intensity can make can mislead people because essentially um, anybody can anybody can be intense about things to do with their instincts. So like an, an SP Dom could be very intense about SP matters such as um, making sure they are they have enough resources or like securing for them for themselves for the future or being very goal oriented and then um in focused on that and then intense about that and and equally an SO could be very um like um in, fo- very focused on their social connections and maybe end up being a bit overly needy or something um mm. so like um I don't think calling it intensity um really works because essentially what intensity could be interpreted as is like an over focus but obviously instincts are fundamentally to do with your focus anyway so something being your dominant instinct is gonna naturally have maybe a bit of an over focus on it anyway um but i think the reason why people describe sx as that is as intensity is is because because of how it's to do with your focus on what's what you're sort of um in tune with so I guess um if you're um an SX dom you're going to be more drawn to what produces like you're, you're going to be more drawn to the sensation of intensity itself rather than being like coming off as intense if that makes sense yeah um yeah I think so that's I think that's better. yeah so I think that's why people um describe it as intensity mm, that's good Obviously, instincts are part of the Enneagram theory, but how would you say that it fits in with the rest of it, like uh, your core type? Yeah, so how it interacts with your core type is quite controversial because there are essentially two schools of thought. Firstly, there's the Naranjo chestnut kind of school of thought. Maitri as well um, follows that school of thought. Um, And the focus there is on subtypes. So essentially, your, your core type and your dominant instinct kind of merge together in a way to create a specific archetype. So there are 27 specific subtypes and they all look quite different. And then on the other side, there is the school of thought kind of espoused by Riso and Hudson. And the focus there is, is they still, you know, they still um, agree that there's a dominant type. But I think the 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 descriptions they produce are, la- are much less um, fixed and the, the relative focus on each instinct is is more focused there. And so they... Yeah. And the stackings of the instinct, which we'll go into, is something that Rita and Hudson talk about. Um, something Hudson said in his most um, recent, like, tweet thread on instincts was that um, it's possible for your dominant and your secondary instinct to switch places during the course of your life. So mm. I think that kind of, like underlines the fact that it's like a very different way of um thinking about it because like by by Beatrice Chestnut or Naranjo like it's very fixed and it's very like it's like your type is your subtype yeah I guess everyone's heard of counter types and they're more prominent when you 
you follow the the subtype school of thought. Yeah. And essentially, the countertype theory is that there is one one subtype of each type that is the countertype. So it looks different to, it looks different to the stereotype of that type because the the dominant instinct of that type is in some way counter to the the core drive of the number if that makes sense yeah um yeah so for example sx6 is um commonly known as well yeah okay so for example sx6 by the beatrice chestnut school of thought would be um the counterphobic six so they're the sixes that are more likely to look like eights um and um you know they're they're less um overtly on the surface driven by fear even though underlying they are and I guess it, when we're talking about subtypes, the the definition of the instincts themselves is less constant. It, like self-preservation in a one and self-preservation in a seven, for example, can look vastly different. And I guess that's yeah. true of the other school of thought. They do think, obviously, like being different core types may change the presentation of an instinct. But here it's it's more integral, if that makes sense. Like it could yeah. be complete opposite instead of just a slight variation. So an example of what... Um, you said about the instincts manifesting very differently in different types is that like we just said sx6 is the sort of the angriest six the most um outwardly aggressive but then sx9 by chestnut school of thought is meant to be like the most um tender nine like the most um like sweet gentle sort of nine so it's like it's not like the sx is is making the SX is the thing that's changing this, but it's changing in op- opposite directions for each type, which is, like, mm. you know, interesting. Yeah, like, it's it's harder to find the exact definitions for the instincts when you're looking at the Naranjo. Like, it, it's much looser. One thing that, like, they all agree on is that you've got your dominant um, instinct and you, you um, generally, most people tend to have an over-focus on their dominant instinct which leads to kind of hyperfixation and like neurosis around matters of that instinct and then I guess Naranjo doesn't really go into how the levels of the other instinct influence you or your type he just you know goes with the dominant instinct and over focus and that's his 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 that's what his archetypes are based around but um Russo and Hudson there's they it's more fluid they talk more about like the stacking idea so as well as talking about an overfocus in your dominant instinct they talk about how maybe how the relative levels of the other two instincts can play out so there's the dominant instinct but then there's also your secondary instinct but um it's the most the secondary instinct generally most people because like i said levels can differ amongst people so sometimes there can be less of an imbalance but typically how it's understood i think is that like Dominant is probably, th- these are just like rough figures I'm using. If our attention span is like 100%, maybe like 60% of it is made up on the dominant instinct, like 30-ish percent on your secondary. So that's like a balanced amount because it should be a third each. Not should be, but the I-, I feel like the ideal amount is probably a third each. And then your blind spot maybe around like 10% or something. Mm. Not zero. I don't think it can ever be zero, but like... Yeah, so when when you say blind, it doesn't mean you don't focus on it. It just means that your focus is minimal compared to the other two. In terms of the stacking, like, 
Hudson was saying, as Ty mentioned, that um, your dominant and secondary could like potentially swap around. So it's more it's more fluid than um, the mm. subtype uh, school of thought. Yeah. I suppose um, what he does say is that your blind spot can't change. Um, and I guess, um, I don't know, to me that makes a lot of sense because um, I suppose um, your blind spot to me feels like the thing that you can't really bring yourself like even though you know you're not so good at this um area you you also feel like you don't really care that much about it even though you know you kind of feel like you should should it's also it's also like you know it doesn't actually feel like it's actually there within you to care about it Mm -hmm. um one thing that it is important to know is that sometimes I see people using um like Beatrice Chestnut's school of thought in terms of subtypes and the stacking Reset Hudson's sort of school of thought um, interchangeably, but they're not actually um, interchangeable. Like they do talk about things in, a, in quite a different way. Yeah. But I think it's quite funny because apparently, I didn't watch this, but I heard that um, in the recent Enneagram Summit, Beatrice Chestnut and Russ Hudson were on a panel together. Yes. And they were talking about it. And Beatrice Chestnut was very quick to say that that their schools of thought are compatible whereas like I'm not sure how Ross <laughs> responded but I think he was a lot more hesitant to commit to that and I think yeah. he's pro- it's probably right because when you look at descriptions there are some like huge discrepancies uh, I think they're yeah. working on something together so it'll be interesting to see how they try to reconcile it if that's what they're going to do when they write yeah or whatever together so I guess just to like underline the fact that they're different is just that um with I mean firstly the fact that um core type changes um massively with instincts is like Mm. a major difference between the schools of thought and also just like the way it changes like you can't really a lot of the way ways in which core types change in relation to instinct especially with counter types can't be can't really be rationalized using the way that um Hudson describes instincts like they just like there's no link between the way Hudson describes instincts and the way they manifest in the subtypes. Like, I mean, for example, SP3s are um, meant to be like the least vain threes via via Beatrice Chestnut's school of thought. Um, and basically, they um, don't brag, and they because they they feel like bragging is not not something that you should do. Um, so that's why they don't brag. So they um, try and not be a show-offy about their um, achievements, which is why they can look like a one. But there's nothing in that which is to do with, like, focus on health or resources or security. Like, it's just to do with the fact that they've internalised the belief that showing off is um, also um, undesirable. So that's not, like, that's not something that you can derive from Riso Hudson's School of Thought. It's just mm-hmm. a completely different way of thinking about it. Yeah. Hi there, it's Vic from The Edit here. In the next section, Rhea talks about the character Chris Traeger from the TV show Parks and Rec. We originally explained more about this, but it unfortunately had to be cut out. We'll be putting out a full episode typing the Parks and Rec characters at some point. That's all on with the podcast. You're looking at um, Chris Traeger, for example. I think he's quite clearly, uh, his core type is quite clearly seven. And if you're looking at instincts in a vacuum or like in a Russo and Hudson way, so less, you know, connected, um, less of a subtype way, um, he's quite clearly a self-preservation dominant because he's very focused on his health, energy levels, all of that. Like, that's 
kind of a defining character trait of his, but he's a seven. But then when you look at the like Naranjo and Chestnut descriptions of SP7, it's almost the opposite of him, but it's hard to rationalise him not being self-preservation because his focus is so much on that. But yeah, he can't, he, he, there's no way he could be categorised as an SP7 under the Beatrice Chestnut school of thought because it's meant to be the most gluttonous and the most into kind of eating. <laughs> that's, that's not what I mean, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. whereas he's, he's SP in a more traditional sense, but less so in the, like, Yeah. I hope you've enjoyed and understood our overview of what instincts are. As Ty mentioned, we're going to do episodes on each of the three instinctual variants. We'll be going into much more depth and talking about our own instincts. Thank you again for listening. Uh, You can follow us on social media and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, as well as email any feedback to anyagang at gmail.com. And we also have a new Discord server that you can find the link to join in the show notes in the description. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye.